gentlemen, the Brack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chimak Kosandu from Toronto in Canada, and literally seconds before I hit the record button, I was bemoaning my knackered state to my uh, Canada-based friend, who, uh, despite the fact it's earlier in the day for him, he's looking decidedly more fresh-faced than I am. Sandu, how are you feeling? I watched the golf last night. I woke up at 6.30 this morning. I'm knackered. I'm good. I think we've spoken about this before, Simon. I do live in the greatest time zone in the world where I can literally wake up, enjoy my F1, enjoy my football, enjoy the Euros, do my work for BT Sport. Actually, it was a pretty big weekend for, for BT. It was Smackdown, UFC on Saturday night, then there was a Hell in the Cell pay-per-view on Sunday. So, yeah, busy weekend, but, you know, it's the Eastern time zone. I think for some reason, oh, there's the NBA playoffs going on right now, so I caught a bit of that. But all things considered, got a good night's sleep, loads of action to recap, loads of news, and we've got some events to preview as well. So uh, let's do this, shall we? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Before we, before we launch into the MMA, one thing you probably didn't see, but it was on BT Sport at the weekend, was the uh, the conference playoff final which is the division below the football league. It's the division before they go professional in English soccer. And uh, it was 1-0 to Hartlepool United. Last minute of stoppage time. The goalkeeper for Torquay United equalises in the last minute of stoppage time with a header. Unbelievable scenes. If you can watch Geoblock videos in any way, get on BT Sport. Get on my timeline on Twitter. You'll find it. Uh, it went to penalties and uh, they lost in the end. But <laughs> who cares? That was great. Um, but uh, it's been a mad week. We've had the we had the U.S. Open golf. We've had the Euros. We've had the Formula One. We've had we've had football playoff finals going on. But we had the UFC this weekend, and we had the return of the Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung against uh, I nearly called him Dangerous Dan Ige, Dan Fifty K Ige, um, in a really interesting one hundred and forty five pound main event. And this was one of those fights where you get to see where the levels are. Uh, in MMA because you've got an established contender like Chan Sung Jung. You've got a guy like Dan Ige who has worked his way up and is within touching distance of the very best guys in the division. This was his chance to sort of cross that threshold into elite contender status. Couldn't quite get it done. Couldn't quite get it done. Chan Sung Jung was the better man on the day and uh, picked up picked up the well-deserved, I thought, uh, decision win. What did you, what did you make of of that main event on Saturday night. Uh, score was a, a bit iffy. 48-47, judge uh, in favour of the zombie. 49-46 seemed about right to me, and that's how the other two judges scored it. But uh, unanimous decision for the zombie, and uh, he's back in the mix again, Sandu. He certainly is. It's kind of weird, right, Simon? It's not that often we get to talk about a Chan Sung Jung victory or, or a performance or a fight that goes a distance. You know, he just doesn't go to the judges' scorecards that often. I feel like it's, I think there's a stat where it's been, I think, 18 fights or some something crazy like that since he last went to the judges' scorecards. But all in all, I thought this was a very mature performance by the Korean Zombie. A lot of takedowns, a lot of grappling. He obviously went at full 25 minutes, which was, you know, obviously good for him to see if he can, uh, if he has a gas tank uh, to go the full 25. Unfortunately, not to, not to get the the finish, but he got his uh, BJJ black belt. Uh, post-fight um, so obviously he's uh, displayed enough jiu-jitsu and grappling and, and all the rest of it to to warrant that and most importantly Simon it's a main event on a fight night against a top 10 ranked opponent and he won 
and he's still right there in the mix. He was ranked number four going into this past weekend. In his post-fight interview with Michael Bisping, he feels as though he should be ranked number three now. And in the post-fight press conference, couple of shots at Max Holloway, which is interesting. Um, you know, Korean Zombie isn't really one to to venture off into the world of trash talk, but you know, a few little jabs here and there, um, you know, it, it, it spices things up a little bit. Obviously, the Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez fight has fallen apart because Max Holloway got injured. Perhaps now everything is, is set up for a Max Holloway Korean zombie fight, which, I mean, who wouldn't want to see that, right? That'd be amazing. So all in all, I think it was a good weekend for the Korean zombie, and I can't wait to see what happens next. And if it's Max Holloway, sign me up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And interesting stat, that was his first win in the UFC that didn't earn him some sort of UFC bonus. I think uh, he's picked up either submission of the night, knockout of the night, or performance of the night in each of his previous UFC victories. That one being the uh, the first, that might even have been the first time he's gone five rounds uh, in a in a victory. He went all five rounds against Brian Ortega and lost um, back in October of 2020. That was his previous fight, but um, he's gone all five rounds and uh, got the nod. Uh, against Danny Gay, but didn't get a bonus, which um, his pay packet would be a little bit lighter than he usually expects when he walks away with the win. But important win, as you say. £145 is looking interesting again. My only slight disappointment with the 45 division right now is everything's kind of on the go slow. The hand breaks on because of the ultimate fighter. Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, champion versus number two. They're kind of out of the mix and we've just got to sit there and wait for that whole series to play out and Eventually, we'll see those two in the cage. We will see he's now injured. Could we see Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez too? The first fight was a cracker. Um, I think anybody uh, who watched that will remember how that one ended. That ridiculous back elbow uh, in the last second of the last round of a five-round fight, getting the win for Yair Rodriguez uh, in a fight. I thought Chan Sung Jung was going to win. So maybe they rebooked that one again um if uh if, if holloway's out for any length of time but um one thing's for sure we're going to see chan sung jung in a title eliminator i think next time out uh, a big, big fight at 145 pounds um it was a big fight in the co-main event as well on saturday night sergey spivak versus alexi olenic it's a big fight in very different ways you've got alexi olenic who's been around the block almost before the block even existed that's how old and experienced his man is uh it's sergey spivak who is really trying to make his way up that ufc heavyweight division and he's making a pretty good job of it um got a unanimous decision win against alexi Alenik. and uh i'm interested to see what the ufc does with spivak next because tom aspinall has called this guy out at least twice um and uh, they've yet to book them i'm wondering whether this might be the time to do it but Spivak certainly seems to be a man on his way up, Sandu. Listen, Sergei Spivak is now on a three-fight win streak, and if Tom Aspinall wants to fight him, and that's the fight he's you know aiming for, I think why not? A couple of heavyweights in their twenties, Simon, and it's, and it could be you know one of those things where they fight now and they may kind of fight once or twice in the future again, maybe in their thirties. I feel like with a heavyweight division, because their careers last longer, you can start to build rivalries. You know, and you can have start to have a series of fights throughout the course of their career because, like I said, some of these heavyweights fight well into their forties. And and speaking of that, Simon, 
while Sergei, Sergei Spivak is, you know, 26. Alexi Olenek, Simon, he's turning 45, in a, uh, sorry, 44 in a couple of days. And he's coming off of three losses now in the UFC. Um, we know that the UFC have been trimming the roster. Olenek is uh, obviously, you know, a long-time MMA veteran, has been fighting in the UFC for a long time, you know, famous for the Ezekiel choke. But I do worry. I do worry that perhaps um, his time might be up at the UFC. Uh, or maybe they'll give him just one more uh, to help build up another young heavyweight. But um, I, I do feel like there's been a bit of a, bit of a, uh, a changing of the course in terms of the direction where a lot of these divisions in, in the UFC are, are trimming some of the uh, the older fighters. We saw Damian Meyer last week, you know, uh, you know, basically fight out his contract. He's no longer with the UFC. And then we see some guys like Alistair Overeem, a couple of losses, and then your cut, Junior, Junior Dos Santos was cut. And, and maybe this is a good thing. You know, we, we're always looking for uh, the promotions to inject some energy into young talent, give them an opportunity, give them a platform. And of course, our very own fellow Brit, Tom Aspinall, is one of them. So, um, so yeah, always, always interesting to see where two fighters go, especially given their age uh, and how much mileage they've put on their career as well. Yeah, and for anybody out there thinking, Crikey, Simon's being a bit disrespectful calling, calling him old. I can say that because I am slightly older than Alexia Nick. Um, <laughs> I'm 44 now. He's just about to turn 44. But, um, and uh, we actually got famously, I ended up having a chat with him at UFC 246. And I thought, oh, he's not going to say much to me. Um, I ended up chatting to him for about 15 or 16 minutes uh, during media day. He was great. And, uh, but he's, uh, he's one of those guys who you know what you're going to get when he gets in the cage. He's going to try and drag you to the floor and submit you. And I thought Spivak did a very, very good job defensively in that fight and showed that um, he's got a pretty well-rounded game. He's, he's solid on the feet. He's, uh, he, kn he knows what he's doing on the mat. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who they pair him up with next. Alexi Olenek was ranked 15 going into the weekend, so you would expect Spivak to take that place. Aspinall, I think, is 13 in the UFC heavyweight ranking. So you could do that. You could do that fight. But um, the UFC may just want to keep all these younger contenders. Sergey Pavlovich is another one down there, ranked at 14. Chris Dorcas at 10. Sakai at 9. Maybe they want to keep all these guys separate and try and build, feed, feed them some of the older statesmen in the UFC heavyweight division and just gradually try and regenerate that top 15 and bring some of those young guys to the top. But uh, interested to see them put so far up the card, um, which I think tells you that the UFC are really looking to do something with the heavyweight division this year. The fight before that was probably the most interesting one for a British audience. Marlon Chito Vera versus Davy Grant in a fight that I think delivered everything we hoped it would. It was an absolute cracker of a fight. It won the fight of the night bonus deservedly. Both guys going home with an extra $50,000 in their skyrocket. And uh, it was Marlon Vera who got the win, 29-27, uh, 29-28. And there was one judge who obviously didn't watch the first round and uh, scored it 30-26 to Marlon Vera. I thought David Grant looked outstanding in the first round, clearly won the first round. And then Vera just gradually turned it up as the fight went on. And uh, I thought he deserved the win. That was a rematch, of course. They, they fought previously uh, in London. David Grant got the win that time. Marlon Vera gets the win this time. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a trilogy at some point further down the line. But I thoroughly enjoyed that one, Sandy. That was an absolute banger at Bantamweight. Yeah, and thoroughly deserved to get the fight of the night honours. I'm kind of glad that both men are leaving 
with an extra 50k uh, in their paycheck from that particular contest. And yeah, maybe we'll get a trilogy down the road at some point. Uh, one thing I will say, I think David Grant has shown uh, the evolution and he's shown he's gotten better. And he's also shown over his last few performances that, you know, when things go right and when he can put some consistency into his camps and, you know, he gets the right fights and he gets the opportunity to fight regularly, you know, he can be really, really competitive um, at a very, very high level. He is 35 years old now. Um, maybe he can bounce back um, from this defeat. We've been talking about now for a while. Um, the UFC, hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be holding an event in the UK later on this year with things starting to open up again. And it would be great if David Grant could get a, a spot on that particular card as well. So, But nothing to be ashamed of. You know, an absolute warrior. He left it all out there. And uh, mm. both men put on a hell of a fight for the fans. Yeah, I think he's the sort of fighter that, that, that Dana White must absolutely love because you put him on the fight card, he doesn't cause you any issues, he turns up, he makes weight, and he puts on exciting fights every time he gets in the cage. Win or lose, he's an all-action fighter. He'll, he'll scramble with you on the mat. He'll stand and try and knock you out on the feet. He is your sort of prototypical UFC fighter, you know? Stick him on a fight card, you know you're going to get a good fight out of him. Much like... His bantamweight predecessor from the UK, Brad One Punch Pickett, he was well known for being uh, one of the one of uh, Dana White's favourite fighters back in the day, just because he always turned up and always, always put on a show. And uh, seeing as we're talking about Brad very briefly, uh, congrats to him. I think they've just signed uh, just signed a lease on their on their new home for Great Britain Top Team, which is uh, the new team that 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 Brad is heading up over here in the UK. I think they've just got themselves a facility in Morden in South London. And uh, I think they'll be moving into that very shortly. And uh, hopefully we'll start to see, we'll start to see the fruits of that uh, on the world stage in the months and years ahead. So best of luck to Brad and everyone down there um, in South London. But uh, yeah, great stuff from David Grant this weekend, even though he didn't quite get the win. As for Marlon Vera, he's one of those guys, Sandu, who, We've always known that he's super talented. We've always known that when he puts everything together, he's on. You know, he's someone who could be a contender at 135 pounds. How far away do you think he might be potentially from being a legit championship contender at 135? What do you reckon? It's tough, isn't it, Simon? It's just the inconsistency. Then again, I mean, yeah. you know, he came off a big, you know, high-profile win against Sugar Sean O'Malley. And then he lost a decision to Jose Aldo, which, I mean, let's face it, we're talking about one of the greatest fighters of all time in Jose Aldo, right? Um, obviously, bounces back and gets a win over Davy Grant. It's about consistency, Simon. It's about consistency. And I think it's also about um, starting to put some finishes together as well and kind of really start to make some statements in these fights. You know, he's only in his eight, um, late 20s. He's 28. Um, massive in, in, in Ecuador. I remember after the, the Sugar Sean fight, there were billboards and all sorts um, for him uh, back home in his home country of Ecuador. Um, and the fact that I think he's even getting involved in some of the the Latin America broadcast with the UFC, um, um, getting involved with some of the, uh, the the analysis work and the commentary and, and bits and pieces, that's always a good look um, for these guys that can help the UFC grow in, in these markets. Uh, and on, honestly, more than anything else, though, Simon, the guy absolutely comes to bang. You know, he, he doesn't get involved in, in, in boring fights. He's an exciting fighter. And like I said, he's still only 28 years old. So let's see, you know, where, where his ceiling is. But Tuto Vera, man, when he's, on a, he's on, when he's on a main card, yeah, that's always one you want to, you know, make sure, make sure you carve some time out for because he definitely brings it. 
Yeah, he's ranked 15th right now. Um, I'm not sure he'll move up after his win this weekend. What would Davey be an unranked? But he did a very smart thing. He called out Dominic Cruz, who was on commentary, sat at cage side. And Dominic Cruz didn't disrespect the call out. He said, I completely understand and respect the call out. Everyone's trying to fight their way up, up the rankings. And then he said, I'm also trying to fight my way up the rankings, which is his polite way of saying... I'm fighting people who, you know, I'm looking to fight people who are much better than you, Sunshine. But he didn't say it like that. But if you're Marlon Vera, that is a very smart call out to make, I think, because he's the sort of guy who I think Vera could go in there and uh, and really show whether he, you know, if you can go in there and compete with a Dominic Cruz, then, you know, you've got a chance of, of, of taking on some of the best guys in the world. So uh, whether they book that fight or not, I don't know. I don't know if Don Cruz would particularly want that fight, given where he is in the rankings, he's nine right now. And that's largely due to inactivity as much as anything. Um, you know, he, he he's going to want to move his way up and fight, um, you know, maybe a Frankie Edgar, maybe a Cody Garbrandt for someone like Dom Cruz. But Marlon Vera, I mean, I think I think someone in and around that sort of nine, nine to 11, maybe Raph Allison, Sal or someone like that at number 11 might not be a terrible fight for him. But um He's facing the right way now, Marlon Vera. As you say, inconsistency has sort of plagued his career a little bit. If he can keep stringing those wins together, then uh, I think he would be a very exciting uh, addition to the contender list at the top of that division. And as you say, he's got a lot of support behind him. You know, we've just seen Brandon Moreno become Mexico's first UFC champion and the amount of love and support that he's getting. Chito Vera could experience a very similar thing. Uh, in Ecuador, potentially, if he keeps climbing those rankings. He already is, let's be honest, but he could even take that to new levels. But, um, yeah, good to see him win. Nice guy as well. Super nice guy, Marlon Vera. Now, that main card on Saturday, Sandu, it finished with three decision wins. Chang Sung Jung, Sergei Spivak, Marlon Vera. But the main card started with three finishes. Korea Sung Woo Choi absolutely starching Julian Arosa in devastating fashion Bruno Silva on his UFC debut taking out Wellington Terman and then kicking a night off the guy who I can't speak enough about because he's just he's just incredible the immortal Matt Brown doing it again Diego Lima second round knockout um this guy I thought this guy was heading towards retirement about three and a half years ago he's still going and he's still knocking people out unbelievable stuff and uh you know, that was a real feel-good moment of the night for me. I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, me too, Simon. Like, when I mean, the, the main card starts three knockouts in a row. I'm clipping and posting and doing my stuff for BT Sport. And by the time I'd finished with the with one fight, there was another knockout to, to react to. And then there was another knockout to react to. An absolute incredible way to start that main card. High-level stuff. Um, but yeah, Matt Brown, that was the KO um for me that that topped the bunch just beautiful knockout and the fact that he's doing it at 40 years of age just an incredible inspiration he's talked about what he's been through in his personal life at nauseam with so many different interviews and if you haven't just google and throw matt brown you know into youtube and check out some of his stories that he's had to share about um some some really low moments in his life and to see him come back at 40 years of age and put a performance like that he now holds wins over both the Lima brothers, and, and speaking of the Lima brothers, Simon, wow, what a what a terrible week it's been for them. You know, Douglas yeah. Lima lo losing the welterweight championship Bellator, Diego Lima losing to Matt Brown via brutal knockout, and um, and I think everyone's starting to get a little bit excited about 
potential matchmaking with Matt Brown. It's unfortunate that Dan Hardy um, and the UFC parted ways not too long ago because that would have been a perfect matchup. Dan Hardy, Matt Brown. I know Matt Brown was on Dan Hardy's short list of potential fights. Just given their age and, you know, uh, the fact that um, Matt Brown took some time out, Dan Hardy's obviously been out for a very, very long time. That would have made a lot, a lot of sense. But given the landscape that we're in right now, Simon, a while back I was thinking Nick Diaz, Carlos Condit. Wouldn't that make all the sense in the world? I think I might be leaning a little bit more towards Nick Diaz versus Matt Brown. And I, and, and I feel like just from a Styles perspective, and, and you know how Styles make fights, that's the term that's always thrown around in combat sports. The thing about the first Nick Diaz, Carlos Condit fight, I felt like Carlos Condit was putting on a Jackson Wink performance to win the fight, if you know what I mean. Whereas with Matt Brown, it's, it's that kill or be killed style, isn't it? He's going to come forward and he's going to try and knock your head off. And I think Nick Diaz and Matt Brown would just be absolute fireworks. It would give Nick Diaz an option to figure out if he can um, still, still, still do this um you know at his age and given his time off and and matt brown in terms of his age weight class i mean i mean i think that fight ticks all the boxes what do you think nick diaz matt brown you up for that yeah definitely i mean diaz is nick diaz has tended to fight at 85 but can fight at 70 did it against condit matt brown is 40 years old fights at 170 i'm sure he wouldn't mind not having to cut to 170 they could do that as a catch weight they could do it at middleweight even um and both of them could just go in there without a weight cut and i think that would i think that would benefit the pair of them i think that would be outstanding um and from a sentimental point of view matt brown in a massive fight would be great for him um i think that would be lovely to see someone who's done the hard yards without ever really quite getting to championship level um to see him in a, a real marquee matchup against one of the superstars of the sport i think would be fantastic for him a great opportunity and you know possibly the biggest payday of his career if they could organize it in such a way so um that that would make a lot of sense i think the condit fight has the backstory and i think on paper would probably be the direction they would lean if you were just comparing the two but I wouldn't be upset if they put Nick Diaz versus Matt Brown. I think that would be I think that would be a lot of fun. Matt Brown versus anybody is going to be a rough, tough, knock knock down, drag out kind of affair. Um, and uh, you know they're the sort of fights that the Diaz brothers like to get themselves involved in. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to see that. That would be that would be something pretty special. And uh, the question really is just just how many more fights does Matt Brown want? Um, and I guess the trick now is. At this stage of his career, he's just trying to rack up these fights and just keep things going. I think he's now got the record for the most finishes, or he's tied for the record for the most knockouts, I think. Um, but he's uh, he's also at the age where he doesn't have to take any old fight. He can start to say, look, give me fights that are interesting. I've not got too much left. Um, give, me, give me fights that are going to really, you know, get the fans interested and... Uh, you know, he got himself a big win against Diego Lima in the first fight of the night on Saturday. Um, he's sort of guy, I'd love to see him opening a pay-per-view card or being the featured prelim ahead of a pay-per-view card. I think that's 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 a sweet spot for him. But um, a fight against Nick Diaz would obviously be co-main event territory on a pay-per-view, I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what could potentially be next for him. That was the main card on Saturday night. Sung Woo Choi got a $50,000 bonus for his knockout of Julian Arosa. Matt Brown got a $50,000 bonus for his knockout 
of Diego Lima. And uh, we mentioned the fight in the night earlier, uh, Marlon Vera and Davy Grant also taking home a check for a call of 50 Gs. So that was fight night on uh, Saturday at the UFC Apex. And uh, we've got a couple of fight nights coming up this week, which we'll talk about in a sec. But Sandu, we had a, we had a little bit of interest outside, kind of outside of MMA. Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva in this age of uh, crossover fights and uh, boxing versus MMA, celebrity boxing, whatever you want to call any of this stuff. We saw it this weekend. Anderson Silva versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in a boxing match in Mexico. This fight, if, if you just gave me those those facts and said who wins this fight, I'd say Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. wins the fight. And if you then said to me, the fight goes the distance, who wins the fight? I would say Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. absolutely wins this fight because it's in Mexico. It's a card that's built around uh, the Mexican fan base. You know, he'd have, you know, uh, Anderson Silva would have to knock him out to get a draw, right? That's kind of how I would feel about it. Well, that's not how it panned out at all. Anderson Silva went in there. They went toe-to-toe. Silva showed flashes of his old self, beckoning him on and counter-striking and looking pretty good for, for a man of his advancing years. And he got the win on the scorecards. It was a split decision, but he got the win on the scorecards. Um, I didn't see the whole fight, so I couldn't give you a verdict on whether the scoring was legit or not. But um, yeah, you know, I, I it just shows you that there is still an avenue for some of these aging or semi-retired fighters to, to still go in there and produce entertaining fights. And uh, I posted on Twitter that, you know, I'd, he'd light up Logan Paul, no problem at all. And uh, Anderson Silva said he would be interested in taking on Logan Paul. Some 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 wag on on Twitter said, "Oh, you're great analysis, mate." Yeah, you know. I was, but that, <laughs> this is this is this is what we're talking about now. This is what we're talking about because these are the sort of fights that are available. These are the sort of fights. If you're Anderson Silva, and uh, I think Jake Paul tweeted and said it'd be great for Anderson Silva to take on Roy Jones Jr on the undercard of his fight with Tyron Woodley. Yes, it would. That would be very interesting. But why not stick your brother on the card? Why not have former UFC champion versus Paul brother times two? So you have Logan versus Logan versus Anderson Silva on, and then have Jake versus Tyron Woodley. Although arguably they're better off splitting those fights into separate cards. But um, yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to watch that. I'm just happy to see an MMA fighter getting in there with a boxer and not looking terrible. And uh, Anderson Silva, I've always thought that Anderson in his prime would have been really fun to watch in in, in the boxing ring because his reflexes and his speed and his angles that he throws shots at, I think he would have been a, he would have been a problem for a few people. I'm not saying we're doing a world champion. I'm not going that far, but I think he would have been fun to watch. Um, But um, yeah, against Chavez Jr. He goes in there. Also, on top of this, Chavez Jr. missed weight for a fight that was basically in the promotion that he was a part of. He missed weight and had to pay Anderson Silva $100,000. So Anderson Silva has not only got a, a nice little W in his boxing record, he's counting the old, the old, the old dollar bills as well because he got paid whatever he got paid for the fight, plus 100 Gs on top of that. So, uh, yeah, I saw a pitch. I think Danny Segura, my, whatever, my junkie colleague, uh, tweeted a picture of Anderson Silva with a grin like a Cheshire cat. I'm not surprised. Not a mark on him, 
earned himself a six-figure payday and uh, beat uh, a recognisable name in the name of boxing. Not bad. Not bad for a night's work. Not bad at all, Simon. At 46 years of age, he was showing some stuff in the ring. It was vintage Anson Silva taunting Chavez Jr. And the fact that it was a split decision is just egregious. It was not. It should have been absolutely unanimous. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I was lucky that the UFC finished when it did. And I literally switched over. Shouts to Fight TV, by the way. Um, here in Canada, Sam, I don't know if this is a, a global rollout, but on Samsung TVs, Fight TV launched an app like about a month ago. And so when I watch some pro wrestling combat sports, it's just like bang, straight natively on the uh, on the TV instead of having to do a screen mirror or connect your laptop or any of that kind of business. So shouts to Fight TV. In any case, switched over from the UFC straight over to the boxing. Anson Silva's there with his team and he's looking good for his age. He's doing the business. It's an, it's an eight-round fight. He wins. He gets a nice payday. And just seeing the reaction on social media, my God, it feels like why didn't or why wasn't Anderson Silva allowed to box maybe six, seven, eight years ago? You know what I mean? It's unfortunate. It is what it is, though. I mean, he was in a, a UFC contract. And you know, seeing him take all those L's you know, towards the, the last few years, of his UFC run, you know, I think hurt everyone in the MMA community, just given the stature of Anderson and what he means to the sport and what a legend he is and how many incredible moments he's given the sport. To see him now leave, go into the world of boxing and give himself and everybody else in the world that has been following his career such a feel-good moment. It, the, the outpouring of love and adjuration and appreciation on social media was just incredible to see. I loved it. And and now it really does. Just given the, the the landscape, like you mentioned, Simon, he you know he's wanted to box Roy Jones Jr. for years. Could that be its own standalone main event? Yeah, absolutely, it could. Right, and and I hope these guys get paid. Um, it could also be a co-main event to Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, which would just raise the profile of that event. And if Showtime and the the promotional partners can break off. A nice bit of bread for both Roy Jones and Anthony Silva. Great, fantastic, and everybody wins. The Logan Paul thing. I've and the minute Logan Paul beat Mayweather, I had a feeling, and I told a few of my mates I was watching that event with. I've got a feeling, given his size, he's going to try and aim for that Tyson fight. And I feel like they've already started to, over the course of the last you know three or four days through interviews and social media, already start to lay a few breadcrumbs for Logan Paul versus Mike Tyson. Which, honestly, given the landscape, that would be a, an interesting interesting fight, but that would be a major, major blockbuster. I mean, the thing is, is, Logan Paul is kind of one of those guys where everybody wants to see him get knocked out, and who better to knock him out? They'll see Tyson. it against Mike Tyson. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just fascinating, Simon. Honestly, like with the way of combat sports, the way it is, where it's like retired MMA fighters social media influencers, YouTubers, celebrities, personalities. We haven't seen the last of it. Like, this is a genre of combat sports that is, maybe it hasn't even peaked yet. And it's here, it's here to stay. It's not for everyone, but for those of us, for those of us, I can't even get my words out, for those of us that work in the business, we see the traffic and we see what's happening and we see the business that these events are generating. And, 
there's going to be hardcore boxing fans that aren't happy with it. There are hardcore MMA fans that aren't happy with it. But there is an audience out there for these events. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens and how long this train lasts. I don't feel like it's going to last forever. But while it's here, it's just like, try, I mean, again, everyone, to each to their own. I'm trying to find areas and, and, and moments and reasons in these events for me to get curious enough to actually pay attention and watch, right? Sometimes it's just going to be, right, let me see what the circus is all about. Sometimes it's like, oh, this will this is actually quite interesting. Like the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight, that is actually quite interesting from a competitive standpoint, yeah. um, in terms of where Jake Paul is, is and, and where Tyron Woodley is in, in both their respective careers. But but yeah, to to come full circle back to Anthony Silver, the, the the biggest takeaway for me is just a feel good, happy moment for Silver. And if this is the start of a of a short but prolific and um I guess profitable run. For him in the world of boxing then kudos to him more power to him go get paid and go get some of those dream boxing matches that you've been dying to get for so many years yeah and uh it it, it improves a slightly sad stat about anderson silver you think everything and and just like the stature in which you know we hold the man that was only his second win in combat sport since 2012. can you believe Crazy. that that's mad. Can you believe that? That is nuts, isn't it? I've just pulled up his MMA record. Obviously, he got the win in boxing at the weekend. His only win since he beat Stefan Bonner in October 2012, his only win since then was a unanimous decision win over Derek Brunson in a fight that I don't think he won. So, <laughs> so you take a look at the fight, you know, got beat twice by Chris Weidman. He had a no contest with Nick Diaz. He got beat by Bisbing. He got beat by Cormier at UFC 200. He got beat by Adesanya, Kananir, and then Uriah Hall. And this is a guy who I think most people who covered the sport and watched the sport for a long period of time, he's one of the all-time greats of the sport. So having that that amount of red at the end of your career, where it's been all green pretty much up to that point, is kind of unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, it just proves that combat sports can be a very, very cutthroat, very, very harsh business if you stick around a little bit too long and uh in ma terms i think that's probably what happened uh with anderson silver but to get in the ring with a fellow veteran a guy who was about 10 years younger than him mind you um and to do what he did was just outstanding and uh yeah who knows what anderson silver's gonna do next will it be logan paul will it be uh will it be roy jones jr but i tell you one thing that we that we do know sandu september the 11th on triller Oscar De La Hoya is coming back to box one more time and he's going to take on Vitor Belfort. That is going to be a very interesting fight. And the thing that makes it particularly interesting as we sit here right now, when that fight was announced, Sandu, obviously when but when, when when big bouts get announced, the bookies are straight onto it, aren't they? And they, they, yeah. they put out their opening odds. Vitor Belfort was installed as the early favourite for that fight, which I find fascinating because... This is a boxing match. And if you're looking at just skill, Oscar De La Hoya should box Vitor Belfort's head off. He absolutely should. But Vitor Belfort can can absolutely start you with one punch. Vitor Belfort, I would I would imagine, has taken slightly better care of himself over the years than than Oscar De La Hoya, who is uh 
you know, he's he's he's, he's had one or two one or two uh, issues over the years. And uh, but Vitor hasn't. Vitor is, is is pretty clean living and has has always has always looked in good shape. Um, that's an interesting one. That's that like the Woodley versus Jake Paul fight. That's about I'm interested in. I want to see I want to see how bad Oscar De La Hoya looks, and I want to see whether the gap between De La Hoya and Belfort can be closed enough for that matchup to be a good one, or is B, uh, Vitor just going to walk in there and steamroll him? Uh, you know, I could see this going any number of ways. It's an interesting one, and that's on September the 11th uh, on Triller. Um, that was announced. I think uh, De La Hoya announced his comeback during the lead up to the uh, the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight he came on and did some horrible horrible thing where he did a mic drop with Snoop Dogg it was embarrassing he probably regretted it the minute he did it um but the actual fight with Belfort has now been announced officially i think they approached Eddie Alvarez first actually they approached Eddie Alvarez about 6 weeks ago and uh, obviously that that didn't happen so he's got Vitor which i think is a, a much more dangerous fight so yeah interested to see how that one goes yeah and Vitor it's going to be a much bigger man in, in when they step into the ring, you know. Yeah. And and, and like you said, you know, he, Vito's kept in shape. If you look at his um, his social media, it's funny when the announcement got made. Everyone's like, "Oh, we're going to get TRT Vito." <laughs> oh, I do hope to, so. Yeah, you know, um, there's no Usada involved. I don't think uh, with this particular <laughs> event or, or anything like that. Um, but clearly, you know. With with what's like, like we just spoke about right Simon with what's what's happening with the combat sports genre of these kind of crossover fights, I think Oscar De La Hoya saw uh, an opportunity to, to get another big payday. He's still got a, a massive name in the sport. Just him alone coming out of his retirement is is as a massive deal in in, in its first instance. There's definitely going to be a large portion of the MMA fan base that's going to be tuning into this one as well, and. I believe it's going to be, uh, or I think initially it was going to be Mexican Independence Day weekend. Um, I think that was September 18th, and then, then they moved it to sep- mm. September 11th. Um, so does yeah. it conflict with the Canelo fight? No, which I think is a smart move, because that would have got absolutely yeah. swallowed uh, by the coverage. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, Simon, this is it. 2021. We're getting these crazy, weird fights. It's hard to you know um, predict what's going to happen. Because on on the, on the one side you've got an MMA fighter who's been you know I guess fairly active or at least a lot more active than De La Hoya has been, and on the other side you've got De La Hoya who's going to be the smaller man, hasn't obviously competed in boxing in God knows how many years now, and it's it's two old geezers coming back for a bit of a payday. Basically that's what it is. That's what it is with all these guys. And listen, I yeah. say that with the utmost respect. Get get you get paid. If you want to compete in combat sports, at whatever age and you're healthy and it's your body. Do what you want to do with it. You know, you only have one life to live. And we've spoken about this at nauseam in the past, Simon, where we wish there was more money in mixed martial arts for the fighters. And there's a reason why some of these you know, retired MMA fighters or ex-MMA fighters or um, some fighters in mixed martial arts that were heroes to us, absolute legends in their prime, in their heyday, that are now taking these opportunities available just given what's happening in the world of combat sports um, because it's a big payday for them. And it's perhaps a payday they never would have seen in the world of MMA. So it is what it is. And again, like I said before, if this isn't your bag, don't tune in. But for us, I'm sure we'll be talking about it pre and post fight. We'll give you some reaction to it. And like I said, I'm tuning in for, for a lot of these fights 
um, especially the ones that include fighters from the world of mixed martial arts, because I just want to see what happens. And I'm kind of, in a, in a way, rooting for them. Like I was rooting for Anson Silva to be successful over the weekend. And um, yeah, it, when they win, it's a, it's a feel-good moment. So let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think I think the I think the most important thing with all of these things is that if the fight's being done properly, and the guys are going in, and they're in good shape, and they've you know they've approached it professionally, and you get a decent matchup, then then you know what's 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 the problem? You know, um, like I saw what did I watch? I didn't pay money and watch it. I just saw a clip of it on social media. Was it Lamar Odom versus? Uh, oh crack! I can't remember the other guy's name. It was just two guys literally just windmilling arms at each other. Um, I think they were both uh, Vince Carter. That's it. Was it Vince Carter, Carter and Nick Carter? I, think, I don't know. Was it was it Nick Carter? I don't know. Whoever, one of the Carter like, brothers, right? It was one of the, the younger I, brother I, I, of the guy that was in Backstreet Boys, right? I. I <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It was. I don't know. It was a massive tall guy and a little short guy, and they were both just. It was just. It was just two guys just throw, windmilling their arms. I remember. Um, there's a comedian over here called uh, Greg Davis who described his first fight as a kid. They asked, "What's your fighting style?" And he described his movement as a windmill of bones, and that's pretty much what Lamar Odom looked like. Is the windmill of bones. And uh, it, like, like, stuff like that is 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 of no benefit to anybody whatsoever. That was just a joke. But if uh, like the fight we had at the weekend um, looked like a reasonably competitive matchup, you know, with with Anderson Silva and and uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So fights like that, no problem. Jake Paul, like him or you know, love him or hate him, he trains. He go. He takes it seriously. He doesn't go in there. He does all the clowning around beforehand. He doesn't clown around when he's in there. He's in there and he's having a fight. And, you know, all respect to him for doing it. So, and the Tyron Woodley fight is a dangerous fight for him. So, um, so that fight I'm interested in. I'm interested to see what happens with his big brother. Partic- if he goes after Mike Tyson, then good God. Anyway, that, that yeah, get paid. But also, you know, I get your health insurance in order as well. But that, that, that's nuts. But, um, the Vito Belfort Oscar De La Hoya fight, yeah, I'm interested in that. I'll watch that. Um, I'll watch most things though. I'll watch most, of it. and I've kind of, I've kind of put my purist tendencies to the side just to enjoy these things as, you know, for what they are. But um, there's always fights coming down the road. This is the thing. If you see a fight and you think, "Nah, I'm not interested in that," don't worry. Hang on. There's going to be more coming, so don't worry. And this weekend is prime prime example of that. We have two fight cards coming up this weekend. On Friday night, we have Bellator 261 from Mohegan Sun Arena, from the Fight Sphere. Um, although I don't even know whether they call it the Fight Sphere anymore because I think fans are now allowed back at the Mohegan Sun to watch the action live. The main event will be a fight for the interim heavyweight world title. Timothy Johnson versus Valentin Moldavsky. Uh, Liz Carmouche takes on Kana Watanabe on that card. Germany's Daniel Weichel takes on Keone Diggs. And... Uh, a little bit further down the card, names that will be familiar to uh, British fight fans. Miles Jury, who fought at Bellator Dublin um, against Benson Henderson. He's on the card. Soren Back, former Cage Warriors champion. He's on the card. And uh, you've got Lee Chadwick from right here in the UK. Uh, he's getting back into the mix. He's taking on Simon Biong. 
at light heavyweight in what is listed so far as the second bout of the night. That'll be live on BBC iPlayer. I'll be doing the uh, the report on that for BBC Sport this Friday night. Um, but that's just a bit of a warm up, Sandu, because we've then we've then got UFC Fight Night on Saturday as well. We certainly have Cyril Gan versus Alexander Volkov, and you know, talking about it's kind of we kind of started the show talking about um, heavyweights, and you know, here's a couple of guys who are absolutely in their prime. You know, you got Alexander Volkov, 32 years of age, Cyril Gan, who is 31. Cyril Gan, this is the guy, right, Simon? Everyone's excited about eight and O, undefeated. He could be the face of French MMA. If he continues on this path, every time he fights, I just see French social media and French MMA social media explode. And he's coming up against a guy in, in Alexander Volkov who we thought not too long ago was going to be on the cusp of fighting for the title. And then, you know, he's had a couple of setbacks. The, 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 the two setbacks that he's had in his run in the UFC have been Derek Lewis, who is going to be fighting for the title next uh, according to, to Dana White and Curtis Blades, those are two losses that he's got um, on his record. Outside of that, though, I mean, check this out: he's got wins over Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson, Fabrizio Verdum, Greg Hardy, Walt Harris. His latest victory was in February of this year against Alistair Overeem, who is now obviously no longer with the UFC. Simon, I don't know about you, but this one's a pretty tough one for me personally to make a prediction or pick because clearly Volkov has got way more experience. Wait, he's got over 40 professional MMA fights. I mean, that's insane. That's absolutely absurd. And, and Cyril Gann, you know, he has obviously a background in Muay Thai and kickboxing, but this is only going to be his ninth MMA fight, which is crazy to think that that's the... the the tail of the tape between these two guys. And typically, I don't like to pick against an undefeated fighter because my kind of rule of thumb is an undefeated fighter hasn't shown me any reason to pick against them because they've been perfect thus far, especially Cyril Gann's got so many knockouts on his record as well, right? But I think I'm going to lean just very, very slightly towards Alexander Volkov. I feel as though he's still in his prime, He's not over the hill or anything like that whatsoever. He's fought some very tough competition. And I also feel as though the two losses that he suffered have only helped him to, I guess, finish the overall product and make sure he's got his mind right. And, you know, he knows that he, he's so close to potentially fighting for a UFC world championship down the road and, and represent Russia as a champion in the heavyweight division in the UFC and what that could mean. Um, and I feel like with Cyril Gann, you know, he's obviously faced some tough competition, but no one that's got the experience of Alexander Volkov. So I'm going to, I'm going to go stick with Drago. And again, a very slight leaning towards Drago in this prediction, Simon, what do you think? I, I have to say this is, this is a really interesting one because there's argument like, Cyril Garn is supposed to be like the coming man, isn't he? He's supposed to be the guy moving his way up. He's being groomed for stardom. And up until his last fight, he kind of, he, he 
or his last couple of fights. Well, yeah, his last fight. He kind of looked like that. He kind of looked like the guy. Yeah, this is this is the next the next iteration of, of European heavyweight contender. And um, he fought Josino Rosenstreich, and yeah, he managed to do a good job of not not getting clipped by one of the most dangerous strikers in the UFC heavyweight division, and he won a decision. It wasn't pretty to watch, and it wasn't the statement victory that I think a lot of people were hoping for from him, including UFC president Dana White. I think he, he voiced a little bit of dis, disappointment that uh, that Gunn didn't really, didn't really impress massively. I just pulled up the betting odds while you were talking because I'm fascinated to see how the bookies see this. It's an old school saying you never see a bookie on a bus, Sandu, because uh, you know they they can afford they can afford the expensive cars and the stretch limos and all that sort of stuff. They don't get much wrong, and they've got Alexander Volkov as the five to four underdog. Uh, Cyril Gann is the thirteen to eight on favourite. So there's not a huge amount on it. Um, you know there isn't that much between them. It wouldn't take a huge amount of money to swing those odds round. But I have to say. I tend to agree with you. I think Alexander Volkov cannot be discounted here. I think the thing that gets me here is you look at the two fighters and you look at their relative uh, experience level. Obviously, Volkov wins on experience. You look at uh, the the quality of opposition. Volkov wins on quality of opposition. But if you look at the fighting styles, this is this is the the real difference maker for me. Look at output look at striking output look at what they physically do in the cage and Garn is is very much a sort of, he's, he's very economical in his style he's very much a less is more kind of fighter he's very cagey and look at Alexander Volkov Volkov is probably he's probably got some of the best striking volume in the division you know he goes out there he pops behind that jab he works behind that jab really well he's got he's got an excellent jab and he's big He's he's absolutely huge. I mean, you see him on TV, and because he's not massively muscle bound and all the rest of it, you think, oh, maybe he's not that big. The man is enormous. Like we've seen him in London, he's huge. And Cyril Garn is a big man. Alexander Alexander Volkov is not going to be, uh, you know, Alexander Volkov is six foot seven. Right? Cyril Garn is six foot five, and he's going to be the small guy in there. That's that that that's what we're looking at. And Alexander Volkov. Um, they've got a comparable reach. I think actually Gan's got a one inch longer reach, but Volkov uses that jab and he puts out a lot of output. And I think that that's going to be the difference maker. I think Volkov will work behind that jab. He will score consistently. If he works leg kicks into his game as well, then I think Cyril Gan's going to find himself really with no option, but to try and walk through those punches and try and take him down. If he can do that, maybe he can do something on the map, but I just think that Volkov has got the key advantages where it counts in this. And I think that if you're looking for a value bet, I think Alexander Volkov by points, to me, looks like the smart bet this coming weekend. He's my pick. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, the current odds are, um, but... Let me see. Let me see. Uh, here we go. If you want Alexander Volkov by decision... This is with Paddy Power. I shame, absolutely shamelessly, I, I write for Paddy Power. I'm not going to be writing for them for this event, but um, so they're the odds that I check. Alexander Volkov by points is nine to two. So that's not bad. That's pretty decent odds. You can get three to one on Volkov to win by TKO or, or knockout. Uh, 25 to one by submission. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, Cyril Gann is seven to two by a KO or TKO. 
13 to 8 by points and 10 to 1 by submission. So clearly they see they see Gan as 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 the potential winner here, but I think Volkov, I think 9 to 2 for Alexander Volkov on the scorecards is uh, is is not a bad little bet. I've got to be honest with you. I think that's pretty good. And the one thing we haven't spoken about Simon, uh, but we have mentioned on previous episodes of this podcast is what this means for the future of the heavyweight division, in particular with regards to John Jones and his hopes to fight for the title. So like we mentioned, Derek Lewis, it looks like is going to be getting that title shot next against the champion Francis Ngannou. We also now know that um, reportedly Jarzinho Rosenstroke is going to be fighting Curtis Blades um, not too in the not not too distant future, that could potentially set up a contender for the heavyweight strap down the road. The other interesting thing about this weekend's main event, Simon, Cyril Gann is ranked number three. Alexander Volkov is ranked number five. The winner of this fight could also be vying for a championship right out the gate immediately, especially if it's yeah. Gann and he's undefeated and he's kind of like this French machine coming through like a like a freight train. And the reason I wanted to bring this up again is that to say, listen, you know, the UFC are building a conveyor belt of contenders for either Francis Ngannou or just for that UFC heavyweight championship picture. And let's not forget, there's always the this Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic trilogy fight. So what that tells me is it could be a long, 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 long time until we see John Jones fight in the UFC, especially if it's going to be in the heavyweight division, because the UFC are not wasting time. They are churning out these fights. They're building contenders. And to be honest with you, they're actually building rightful contenders. If you look at the matchmaking that's going on with, with, the, with the guys in that top six, they're all matched up perfectly to either be fighting for the title next or at worst, just one more fight and one more win away from the title. So it's, it's interesting to keep an eye on the heavyweight heavyweight division as this kind of um you know the, the picture kind of develops further over the course of the next six months or so yeah yeah and you know the whole john jones thing's kind of gone a bit quiet isn't it um and uh you know maybe we aren't going to see him until till the summer of 2022 who knows but um you know the ufc are clearly determined to keep things rolling keep things moving and uh i think if what if either one of these men gets themselves a decisive stoppage victory on Saturday night. It's not out of the question that, that they could be fighting for the belt. I think the odds on on Gan getting the shot are probably better than if it's Volkov. But um, but if Volkov goes out there and absolutely smokes Cyril Gan, then who knows? Who knows? You know, I mean, he's 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 a former Bellator champion. Um, he's been in the sport for a long time. He's a very difficult man to beat, and. Uh, you know he knows how to he knows how to go in there and and and, and put on a war, so um, I think I think it would be a very interesting fight. I mean, it's 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 one of those. I think Cyril Gam versus Francis Ngannou, uh, two French speaking heavyweights going toe to toe. I think has a certain appeal to it, um, and it's you know it's a completely it's a completely fresh matchup. I I, I like the sound of that, but I think I think Gan is going to have all he can handle this weekend. If he gets it done, then I think that answers a lot of questions about Cyril Gann as a contender because I think you don't you don't fluke a win against Alexander Volkov. If you beat Alexander Volkov, you're you are a, a top draw 
UFC heavyweight. I think Volkov is that good. So um, looking forward to that. We've got heavyweights in the co-main event. No championship uh, permutations on the line with this one, but it could be a good one. Ovin St. Pru is stepping up uh, to heavyweight to take on Tanner Bozer. Bozer's uh, just quietly going about his business and putting on putting on fun fights at heavyweight. He's got OSP this weekend. That will be the co-main event. Uh, Kennedy and Zechwu. I've butchered that name. I'm so sorry. Nailed Kennedy. it. Uh, taking on, uh, yeah, usual spelling for those of you out there. Taking on uh, Danilo Marquez at light heavyweight. Andre Feely, who is never in a bad fight. He's taking on Daniel Pineda. And kicking off the main card is the Black Country banger himself. Jai Herbert is back. Taking on Hanato Moicano. That is a great fight at 155 pounds. Um, looking forward to seeing uh, Jai Herbert, the former Cage Warriors lightweight champion, back in action as he kicks off the main card. Look out too for Timur Valiev on the prelims as well. And Tim Means versus Nicholas Dalby Sandu. That'll be a bad... It was supposed to be Tim Means against Danny Roberts. And I'm really disappointed for... For Danny, that that fight was supposed to be last weekend. We talked about it last weekend. Uh, sorry, on last week's show. Uh, I think uh, COVID protocols were the stated reason that Danny was was removed from the card. They've put Tim Means back a week. He's now taking on uh, another another guy who's known very well to us uh, in, in in Nicholas Dalby, former Cage Warriors welterweight champion. That will be a banger as well. Um, what what are you particularly looking forward to uh, on that card, Sandy? There's you know there's 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 some good stuff knocking around in there. Yancy Medeiros is in the first fight of the night. There's all sorts going on. Yeah, it should be a fun card. Honestly, for me, Simon, it is that main event just because of uh, the, the the two chaps are involved and what it could mean for the future of the heavyweight division. Um, like you know, you have got two guys. It's it's a European main event, right? It's French. It's a, a French guy versus a Russian guy. Uh, both would mean the world for the respective countries in those markets. If, if anything, I, I think it might be a little bit more impactful if Cyril Gunn can win. We know that MMA is now legal in, in France. And had it not been for the pandemic, we probably would have seen the UFC hold an event there by now. But, you know, all good things come to those who wait, right? And if Cyril Gunn can get the, the victory here, could you imagine maybe at the end of this year, maybe early 2022, the UFC going to Paris or, you know, a major city in France, and holding an event with Cyril Gann in the main event in, in a title eliminator or something like that, where he's just, you know, that's the fight he has to win. Almost like a, you know, a Conor McGregor situation where he's fighting in Dublin and then he's, you know, he's off to the fucking, to the races, aren't, you know, after that, right? Um, so, yeah, huge, huge, huge main event. The only other thing that I wanted to bring up um, today, Simon, and it's a bit of breaking news, we don't normally talk about uh, movement in the MMA media and in the combat sports world and, and the business and the industry. But obviously, you know, we've both had our, I guess, ups and downs and trials and tribulations. We're, we're both, uh, we've both been in this business for a very, very long time. And uh, we know how volatile it can be at, at times. But some huge announcement made from Ariel Hawani, our friend, uh, a former colleague of mine, at ESPN when I used to work there with him as well. And it's a, an announcement that's a, a week in, in the making. He announced last week that he was leaving ESPN. He said it was his decision. And this morning, uh, prior to us recording this episode of the podcast, he has announced where he's headed. And it's huge. And there's a bit of a 
an element to the UK and Irish broadcast partnership uh, in regards to BT Sport here as well. But I'll go through the whole gamut of his announcement. So he's going back to MMA fighting with regards to the MMA Hour. The MMA Hour is coming back twice a week, every Monday and every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So I know a lot of people are going to be happy with that. And according to his YouTube video where he kind of made his announcement, it's going to give him the independence to talk to who he wants to talk about and, um, you know, essentially have all the creative freedom he wants uh, with regards to that, which is fantastic. Um, he's going to have um, some content with Spotify and The Ringer. And uh, The Ringer is obviously Bill Simmons' um, business and company. And I uh, be, believe from what I remember from his YouTube um, rollout of news that it's going to include some pre-fight and post-fight um, content as well as some breaking news. I think Spotify has uh, a platform called The Green Room where you can kind of like grow, go live and, and talk about some breaking news and that then gets turned into a podcast. So that's going to be interesting. He's also going to be going pretty hard on his on his personal YouTube channel, which according to him is going to include basically him interviewing everyone from all walks of life, whether it be fighters, pro wrestlers, musicians, comedians, actors, um, you name it. And uh, maybe that's probably a little bit more aligned with, you know, what Joe Rogan has done over the last decade, which is just going to speak to and interview people um, from, you know, like I said, all walks of life. But the biggest news, oh, there's also Substack. So he's, he's got a Substack available. Obviously, you know, we're big um, supporters of Substack because that's where we obviously host um, our content and this podcast. Um, but yeah, like I said, the biggest news for me personally, and I think for a lot of our UK and Irish listeners, is the fact that Ariel Helwani is joining BT Sport. And that's huge because BT Sport is, in my opinion, and I'm, and I'm going to say this, but I feel like you know we are one of the best broadcast partners in the world, regardless of sport. Any sport that BT Sport touches and gets involved with in regards to coverage from on-camera talent to social media, coverage pre-event, post-event, um, shoulder programming, exclusive interviews, you name it, BT Sport does a really good job. And, and I've said this even before I joined BT Sport. I think year on year on year, when BT Sport launched as a network, they've constantly just been improving in every single department. So Ariel's joining BT Sport, and he's going to be helping out with UFC, boxing, and WWE. And again, according to him, it, there's going to be a lot of long-form sit-down interviews, documentary-style you know, content rolling out, which I think everyone's missed because he hasn't really done much of that while he's been with ESPN. He did a lot of that while he was with MMA Fighting and working with Esther and Casey, and they used to produce some fantastic content together. Um, some of the walk and talks they did with the likes of Rampage Jackson and John Jones and Conor McGregor and Michael Bisping. So that's going to be fun. And I think more importantly, and, and we spoke about this off-air, when moves like this happen, there's always a domino effect. Everyone's starting to look around. If you're involved in the MMA business, whether you're a promotion, a broadcast partner, uh, a media outlet, you're looking at moves like this, and then you kind of look internally and say, are we doing the best job? Who can we hire? Can we improve our staff? Can we improve our content? But ultimately, just a massive congratulations to a friend of ours. I'm glad that I can now call Ariel once again a teammate i'm looking forward uh, to working with him behind the scenes um but yeah the floor is yours simon i'm sure you've got some thoughts and takes on this and 
with regards to the business of the MMA industry and uh, the moves that Ariel has made and announced this morning. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what what is if, if if you take a look at Ariel's career, he's he sort of self started, didn't he? Um, and built his own brand up, and then joined MMA fighting and built it even further and became the driving force really behind everything that MMA fighting were doing. He was he was the guy who really brought a lot of people to MMA fighting and took them uh, to become one of the one of the one of the biggest outlets in the sport. Um, the move to ESPN, I think, was an inevitable one once ESPN got the got the rights to the UFC. I was always of the view that he wasn't really used in the way that got the best out of him at ESPN. I just felt that they tried to put him in a box a little bit, and it for for whatever reason it didn't it didn't sit quite right. I just uh, I just felt like he was very restricted in what he could do. I think I think. The freeform interview style that he has and the walk and talks and all that, that's what he does really well. That's what he does really well. He's got a very good interviewing style for that sort of thing. And I think I think it's really good to hear that that sort of thing's coming back. And that for the European uh, market, BT Sport are going to get the benefit of a lot of this stuff. So I think when you, particularly when you're looking at the big pay-per-view events on, on BT Sport box office, I think Ariel's going to be a major factor in some of this stuff. So so when you're talking about whether it be a Tyson Fury fight, whether it might be a Conor McGregor UFC fight, I think you're going to see Ariel doing big sort of feature-length stuff with, with, with those guys. And I think that's going to be a real boost to BT Sports coverage. You know, he, he gives the credibility of a long a long-tenured journalist. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's got a very easy manner that even if you don't know who, who he is, you can sit and watch his stuff. He doesn't baffle you with jargon. You go in there and you can just you can enjoy enjoy what he does. He always gets good stuff from people. So yeah, I wish him all the best. And uh, when I went over to Vegas for UFC 189, uh, which is my first ever show in Vegas, he was one of the first US journalists to come up to me, um, and uh, he recognised me and wished me all the best, which was great. Uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and, uh, you know, you remember things like that. So, um, you know, and, uh, I remember having a good chat with him and Casey and Esther in, in London. I did a preview show or a, was it a preview show? Yeah. Preview show for UFC London, um, outside the O2 once with him and, uh, yeah, having a good chat with him and yeah, you know, he's taken his licks as well. You know, uh, the, uh, Dana White's taken aim at him, uh, once or twice in the past and, uh, yeah, it's 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 just good to see the the people who do the sport right doing well, and I think he's one of those guys who, um, you know, he 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 does the sport right. I think he's he's uh, he's he the sport's better for having him around. So I'm I'm pleased to hear that he's back. I'm pleased to hear that he's spreading himself out a little bit and he's taking a bit more editorial control over what he does. And my 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 initial response though, Sandy, was that man's going to be busy. That man, mm-hmm. he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna have a lot of, uh, he's spinning a lot of plates, and uh, I think that's that's gonna be, that's probably gonna be as much of a challenge as anything else, just keeping keeping organised and keeping everything going. But yeah, no, I wish him all the best, and uh, you know, fingers crossed, I'll run into him at some point in the not too distant future. But um, once things start opening up, but yeah, interesting, t- and also as you say, interesting to see what 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 happens and whether that whether that sparks anything else into happening you know whether other opportunities open up elsewhere or you know we'll see we'll see what happens but it's uh interesting times and it's good that 
I think one of the one of the most prominent uh, media personalities in the sport is going to have a better platform, and that's better, and 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 that's good news for the fans, right? And yes, yeah. that that's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, massive congratulations to Ariel, and um, I'm just excited to see what he brings to the table for BT Sport, and maybe it's sooner rather than later. Maybe it's for the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier trilogy fight. I have no idea. Um, I'm not kept in the loop on on things like that. But yeah, I mean, whatever he does, you know, it's going to be high quality, and you know, everything that BT Sport does is of a certain standard, and it's going to be well produced, and there's going to be you know, great rollout, you know, across social media and, and YouTube, also on linear as well. So if you're watching UFC co- you know, programming and, and content on BT Sport, don't be surprised if you see some of this stuff pop up on your telly. Um, so it's going to be great for everybody uh, involved. So, yeah, he's kind of like um, the United Colors of Benetton with his rollout of announcement, isn't he? He's basically working for a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of outlets, and he's got creative freedom. He's got his independence. And like you said, he's going to be an extremely, extremely busy man. But I expect nothing less from one of the best in the business. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We wish him all the best in uh, in in what's coming next. He's going to be a busy man, but uh, that's probably uh, no less than he would want. So uh, yeah, all the best to him. We've got two shows to get stuck into on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday night. We've got Bellator on Saturday on Friday night. We've got the UFC on Saturday night. And uh, before we go, Sandu, because we're time to wrap up, I think, how can everybody get involved with the show? Best place to go to is the BritPackMMA.com. That's the BritPackMMA.com. That's our website. From there, you can find us on social media, both the show social media and myself and Simon's social media accounts. We're available on Spotify. We're available on Apple. For those of you that do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. It really helps the show get found on that particular platform. And finally, we are also available on YouTube. It's available as an audio-only show for the time being. We do have plans uh, to take this show into video format later on this year. But for those of you that like to just listen to podcasts on YouTube in the background, on your laptop or perhaps on your phone, we're available there for you as an option as well. So go to our YouTube channel and uh, give us a subscription. That would be much appreciated. Yeah, that's pretty much all we have time for on this week's episode of the Brit Pack. Thank you for checking us out. As always, enjoy the fights this weekend, and we will catch up with you again next week. Yeah.